And uh, speaking of uh, thank yous, I just want to take a moment and express my gratitude to everyone who went out of their way uh, to buy me a gift, send me a message, write me a card. Uh, I celebrated my 38th birthday on Monday, and uh, everyone has been uh, really, really great. And uh, actually, I made it a point, um, I try to every year, to respond to everyone who uh, messages me or puts a post about me. And... Um, you know, I have a lot of uh, online friends, and some you don't even know. Some you're like, oh, yes, I don't even know who you are, but thank you for the happy birthday. But I still try to make a point to say thank you. And so I spent like an hour that night commenting on every single post, and it was well over three, 400, and I was just like, I'm just going to comment. I'm just gonna... Some of them were copy and paste. I'm not going to lie. Some of them got to a copy and paste point. Um, but I thought it was important. You went out of your way to, to say something, to say even to something as simple as happy birthday. The least I can do is let you know that means something to me. And, and I'm grateful uh, for that affirmation, for that congratulation, just for the effort that you're putting forth. And it's something that uh, I, I strive to do and something we strive to teach our children uh, to be grateful, right? When you have a young child and you're raising up a young child, one of the things that you're constantly teaching them and we always ask the same question. I feel like all parents use the same playbook. We always ask the same question. Whenever somebody gives something to our kid or, or something happens where there's a gift or something given to our kid, we always respond with, what do you say? And then they go, thank you. And then, you know, so it's kind of always the theme, like, what do you say? And it's kind of like that nudge. And they're like, ooh, sorry, I forgot. Thank you. And I think it's important to teach gratitude. I think it's important to make sure that, you know, our children, our young people understand that we should be a grateful people because the opposite causes some serious issues down the line. And so I want to talk to you because I think it's something that we don't need to teach just our children, but I think it's a lesson that you and I need to be reminded of, of what it means to be grateful. Not just for material things, but grateful for what we have and who we have in the Lord. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd really love to look at Luke chapter 17. Uh, the genesis of this, as I was praying and, and just asking the Lord what it was that we were going to cover today, I was reflecting back on the series we just went through, Teach Us to Pray, and uh, we had just gotten past the 21-day fast, and uh, the next day after the fast, I ate so much meat, because it was my birthday, and I went to one of those Brazilian steakhouses, and I had heartburn up to here that night, but it was worth it. I don't, I don't care what you said. It was awesome. I indulged. Um, and so, you know, we had these 21 days of fasting, and I'll tell you, one of the, the best parts of the fast that really blessed me was hearing the testimonies of all the different people coming up to us and saying, man, Pastor, I was praying for this, and God delivered, and, and I was praying for this, and God showed up, and we were praying for this as a family. We've been praying for this forever, but in this 21 days, God has done it. And, and so you kind of see the, the, first of all, the joy and the gratitude that they have, but even more, the amazement of like, Pastor, it works. I'm like, wow, you're telling me. Wow, all right. Prayer works. And so I was thinking about that, and I thought about, okay, so we have 21 days, and even beyond the 21 days, we have all these prayers that we've all thrown up to the Lord, many of which have been answered. Several of us have some major prayers that have been answered. And my question isn't, how do we pray? My question is, well, what do we do after God answers those prayers? What's our attitude? How many times have we, you know, said things or made promises to God? You know, you know God, if you make this happen, I'm going to go to church every Sunday. I promise, right? And man, church is good in January, just like gyms are good in January. And then all of a sudden, you forget about the promise and the gratitude starts to fade and 
you're not at church every Sunday like you promised you would. I'm going to read my Bible every day if you, if you just do this, God. And, and we bargain with the Lord and we make these deals with the Lord. And here's the reality of it. What does God really want? God wants your gratitude. Because if he has your gratitude, he'll get everything else that comes with that. Listen, let me give you the example of Luke 17. Verse 11 through 19. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Let me pause right there to give you context. So uh, the Samaritans were, were despised by the Jewish people. So uh, Jesus is kind of going between a Samaritan area and a Jewish area. Now Samaritans were, were kind of what they would consider a half-breed. They were part Jewish in their kind of long history, but they had intermingled with, with ungodly people. And so because of that, they were considered tainted. They were considered not good enough. They, they were just kind of outcasted. They had a, a form of Jewish religion, but they kind of swayed off in a few different areas. And so Samaritans were greatly, greatly despised. Jews and Samaritans would have nothing to do with each other, except in a situation like this, where 10 lepers, a mixture of Jew and Samaritan, all come together. Isn't it funny? how a lot of prejudice, a lot of hatred, a lot of issues go out the window when we have suffering in common. When we have suffering in common, I don't care what you are because we bond over our, our mutual suffering. And so, you know, that's why, unfortunately, when there's wars, when there's major tragedies that happen, you see countries come closer together than they've ever been. Why? Because we understand we're all suffering together, and so we all need each other. Well, in between these two areas, Galilee and Samaria, you have these 10 lepers. Leprosy was a skin-deteriorating disease, a flesh-deteriorating disease. It was highly contagious. And so if you caught leprosy, you had to leave your family, you had to leave your town, you had to go live on the outskirts. And this is where this basically leper colony was standing. 10 people suffering, struggling, cut off from their family, from their community. All they have is each other. And then they see Jesus walking down in between this area and they cry out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, going back to the scripture, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, normally, if you had a healing, you would have to go to the priest for verification of that healing. So you couldn't just show back home and go, hey, I don't have leprosy anymore. You had to first go to the priest, an official. He would declare you clean, and then you would be reinstated within community. It's the same thing we talked about on Wednesday night. We had a prayer meeting, and we had people praying for healing, and some receiving healing. And one of the things we said was, hey, we believe in God's divine healing, but we also believe and confirmation. So if you believe God healed you of your asthma, praise God. Go get checked by your doctor before you throw away your inhalers. Like we just, we, we believe in wisdom behind that. And so Jesus says, hey, go to the priest. Now, normally you would go to the priest when you were healed. They're not healed yet. They just go to the priest. That's a lot of faith to start making those steps, to go into a community that you know you weren't wanted at, you know that you were pushed out of. And yet the Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. Right? So now they're healed. Now they have, they have their family back. They have their community back. They have their lives back. They have their health back. Literally, like everything has been restored on this walk by Jesus' name. And I want you to notice something. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. Ten got healed. One came back. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Just to drive in the point. This wasn't even part of God's people but he knew enough to thank the man who had saved him. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? 
has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Some translations say, your faith has saved you. So a few thoughts I have in this that I think are important for you and I to really understand because I, I, I kid you not, this seems like such a light thing because it seems like such an obvious thing, but we really need to understand and fortify our ability to have gratitude, okay? If you have an attitude without gratitude, you are on a slippery slope that pulls you further and further away from the Lord. And so there's a few thoughts I had as I was looking at this scripture that I think you and I need to recognize this morning. And the first is this, your praise should be as loud as your prayer. Your praise should be as loud as your prayer. Why am I saying that? Well, notice something. Jesus shows up, the 10 lepers see him, and the Bible says that they cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. So they weren't quiet about their prayer, were they? They saw an opportunity to be healed. They had probably heard about the rumors of all the healings that Jesus had done. They had recognized his authority and his anointing, and they cry out probably because they feel like they couldn't approach him, but they're willing to shout because he's walking by. We don't want to miss the opportunity, so they shout out. Listen, when we're in a situation where we're desperate like they are, prayer is never hard, and prayer is never quiet, right? When you're in that situation where you need a miracle, you cry. You cry out. You're not afraid to come to the altar. You're not afraid to ask a pastor or a leader or a fellow Christian to pray for you. You're not afraid to put it on Facebook and say, pray for me. You're not afraid to be loud about a prayer because there's a need. There's a desperation. And so you rally the troops. You call everyone in. You call up to heaven. You pretend like it's so far up there that you got to shout for God to hear you. That's not necessarily true, but I get the sentiment. We have no problem praying loudly. But Wow. We have an issue praising loudly. All 10 cried out in a loud voice. The one that came back, listen to what the scripture says, praising God in a loud voice. His praise was just as loud as his prayer. Why isn't our worship as loud as our desperation and our prayer? You know, because here's the, when I've, I've heard all the different excuses, and I got to tell you, I'll say this for the worship people because they won't always say it too, but I'll, I'll be the bad guy. You got to understand how awkward it is. They are worshiping their hearts out. And some of them, you think they're closed their eyes because it's holy. They just don't want to see you doing this at them. <laughs> like, it's just distracting. It's just like weird. It's like, we're, hey, aren't we all worshiping God again? I'm not a show. I'm not a performer. I'm not here to dance for you. I'm not a performing monkey. And so to have you just like, she was off key on that one. <laughs> it's like, Thanks. But I'll tell you what, you want to see worship lift up in the room? It's not more talented musicians. It's more the people worshiping. That's what raises worship in the room. But I, I would argue the reason we don't lift up our praise isn't as loud as our prayer is because our prayer is more desperate than our praise. It's just, it's just, there's a greater heart. There's a greater desire. And once God did it, cool, you did your job, God. Now move on and do my next thing. It's like one time uh, I was talking to a student when I was in the youth ministry and I was talking about all the leaders that were, you know, trying to help this student and the student looks at me and goes, well, that's their job. I'm like, that's their job? None of them get paid. Like, they're doing this because they love you. They don't have to pick you up and drive you around and spend money on you. That, I got so mad when that person said that. I was like, that's their job? And it's the same way. Like, if your kid comes up and goes, oh, well, it's your job to clean my room. What? My job is to keep you alive by the law of the land, but that's about it. They didn't say how alive. Like, 
There's a pulse. Hey, they're, they're, they're living. Listen, we got to understand, Jesus walking through the crowd, and you're willing to shout. Are you willing to shout after you receive what you shouted for in the first place? Does your praise match your prayer? Listen, let me give you an example, another one in Luke chapter 18 of a blind man who was in a similar situation. One chapter later, Luke 18, verse 38 through 43, says, so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him, but he shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, we won't let people quiet our prayer. When Jesus heard him, he stopped, ordered the man to be brought to him. As the man came near Jesus, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it, praised God too. So the, the immediate reaction to the miraculous thing that God has done is to follow Jesus and praise his name. And when you praise God, guess what? It invites others to praise God too. So, so here's the thing. I want to know the end of the story. You asked me to pray for you. you. You put it on Facebook. You put it on Twitter. You put it on Instagram. You, you requested this prayer. We came to the altar. We laid hands on you. We all invited it. We all prayed. And you don't tell me the rest of the story? Did God move? Did God have? Did God make? I want to hear the testimony. I want to hear where God moved in that. I want to celebrate with you because I battled with you. And so if I got a battle with you, man, can I celebrate with you? Like if I got to go through the training, I want to go to the graduation. Like I want to be part of the whole process. And again, the problem I think is, hey, so what ended up happening that prayer? Oh yeah, I got the job. It's like, oh yeah, I got that. Man, you were crying two days. Could you call a brother, text me, let me know. I want to hear that. Why? Because when I see God move in your life, it gives me courage and it, it makes it well up in me. So when we hear the testimonies, again, I remember years ago, we put it out on social media. We asked the church, hey, can you give us your testimonies? We want to know your stories. Can you give us your testimonies? Out of a church of over 500, I think we got like three. Three people shared their story. And I'm like, where's the praise? Where's the worship? Where's the gratitude? I think we missed that opportunity because our praise isn't as loud as our prayer. If you're taking notes, the other thing I noticed in this is your gratitude should be expressed, not just felt. Your gratitude should be expressed, not just felt. Well, pastor, like, I am grateful. Cool. Can you express that a little bit more? Can, can you be willing to be a little bit more demonstrative, a little bit more animated? Uh, listen, this is a Samaritan who praised God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet, and thanked him. Okay? He is not a part of the people of God. He knew that Jewish people didn't want to be around him, and yet he has no problem going back to this Jewish rabbi, this teacher, this leader, going back to Jesus' feet. He has no problem throwing himself at another man's feet. I ain't throwing myself at nobody's feet, just because it's hard to get back up. But I ain't, it's just not me. Throws himself at his feet, and in a loud voice, praises him and thanks him. He had no issue being demonstrative. And here's the reality. When you're truly grateful, you don't even realize how silly you look sometimes when you're showing gratitude, right? You ever see like those videos where like, here's like one of my favorite ones, and it'll always make me cry 10 times out of 10, is those veterans coming home and then the family and then, especially when it's a little kid, like when the veteran shows up to the school and the little kid's like, mommy, daddy. And then everyone, I bawl my eyes out. And I'll watch like 10-minute videos of it just sitting there crying by myself. 
Like, it just, it always gets me. And why? It's the gratitude of seeing that person. Do you think that kid cares that the teacher was teaching lesson? They jump out of their seat. They run through their friends. They scream. They shout. They wrap them up. Why? Because my gratitude is greater than my embarrassment. I wonder if some of us are just too embarrassed to worship God or not grateful enough to get beyond your embarrassment. Because when you're grateful, the other stuff doesn't matter. When you're grateful, you don't care if you look foolish worshiping God. You don't care if you're way too loud. Now, again, like, I know some people take it to the extreme. We're like, David, dance naked. We don't want you dancing naked in here. That's the, do what you want to do in the shower, but not in this room. Okay? So I, I get the, there is obviously, you know, socio rules that we should follow and that we should look at. But hey, listen, I'll tell you one thing. At Belmont, we don't mind if you praise God. We don't mind if you lift up your voice. We don't mind if you cry. Like when we're doing it, that's what we're doing. Read the room. Actually, you're awkward if you're not worshiping. You're the weird one if you're sitting there with your hands in your pockets, sipping your coffee. Like that's weird. Everybody else is worshiping. Everybody else is engaged. Okay? Here's the reality. You can't just feel it. You got to be willing to express it. Well, some might say, well, why do I got to go through all that? Doesn't God know my heart? Doesn't God know how I feel? Yep. And my wife knows I love her, but how many know? I should tell her from time and again, right? Of course she knows, but I need to tell her. Of course my kids know I love them, but I make it a point, specifically a point every day, numerous times, to stop and tell my children how much I love them. On occasion after occasion after occasion, just because I want you to know. I don't, I don't want to just, just think it. I want to express it. I remember even as a young man, there, I don't know why, maybe it was my morbid thought process, but at some point I, I realized, you know, I'm not going to have my mom forever. It was just a little kid. I just thought about it. I was like, one day I won't have my mom. And it really gripped me. And I made it a point every day before I left the house that I would hug and kiss my mom and tell her I love you. And, I, and there were days where I would be halfway down the block, heading to the bus. I'd remember, I didn't say bye to my mom, and I would run back to the house, go upstairs, give her a hug and a kiss and say, I love you. Why? Because I don't want to wish I would have expressed it. I want to express it. I don't want to assume they know. I want to tell them, God, I know you know all things. But I still want to express my heart to you. I still want to tell you I'm thankful. I still want to lift up a loud voice. I want everybody else to know how thankful I am for you. Listen, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 through 17 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Three times in those passages you see, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Give thanks in how you live. Give thanks in how you worship. Give thanks in all you do. And everything you do, you should be walking around as a walking thank you card. Every aspect of your life. Three times in this passage, we're told to be thankful. Be thankful for the peace and the unity of the body. Be thankful for the ability that we have church and to show gratitude in our corporate worship. Be thankful by representing Christ as a follower. And again, I just have to say it in this way. How can you profess to be a follower and then seem like someone who's ungrateful to follow Jesus? That does not make me want to follow your God. You don't even like him. Why should I? You don't even praise him. Why should I? And so we got to get to that point where people see, man, you are just continually grateful. 
continually redirecting prayer. One of the, the disciplines that I tried to establish early on in my ministry was anytime I got a compliment, I'd try to redirect it back to the Lord. Because I didn't want to believe the hype. I didn't want to go, oh, Pastor, that was, you changed my life. Hey, praise God that he did that. I'm so grateful I got to see that happen. Why? Because, listen, if I'm not careful, this is very true for anybody in ministry. We can easily create our own God complex and feed into our own hype and start to believe maybe it is me. Maybe I am that funny. Maybe I am that gifted. Maybe I am that good of a singer. Maybe I am that loving. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's me. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, it's in spite of me that the Lord works through. I, I am that, the foolish things that he likes to use to confound the wise. And I thank you, Lord, for that. But now here's the thing. I want to be so grateful to God for what he's done in my life that you don't give me credit. You're just as grateful to the same God because you recognize Man, God is moving through him. Look at the gratitude that he has in his life. That's why I don't like complaining. What's complaining going to do? I don't whine about things. I don't sit there and, I mean, I'll, I'll vent, I'll open up. I, I'm transparent with what I'm going through. But at the same time, I'm not throwing a pity party because I'm the only one who ever shows up for those. Like, no, I want to show, I want to throw a gratitude party. I want to invite all my friends to celebrate with me. I want to have those moments where I can lift up his name and know that he is glorified because of what he's done in my life. And here's the reality. If you're not grateful, don't act like Jesus doesn't notice that. If you're taking notes, Jesus notices ungratefulness. Pays attention to that. We act like he don't care. Oh, he cares. Why? Here comes this foreigner, the Samaritan, and in a loud voice praises God. And the first thing Jesus says, I thought I healed 10. <laughs> right? It's kind of bogus in my opinion. Like, like, Jesus, thank you. Oh, man, hey, listen, it was my pleasure. I love you. Let me walk you through this. Let me tell you why I'm here, why the Lord has sent me. Like, Jesus didn't do anything. He goes, man, I thought I saved nine. Or I thought I saved ten. How come there's only one here? The first thing he notices is not just who showed up, but who did it. Hey, listen, God notices who's worshiping on a Sunday. But I need you to know, he also notices who's not. And, and let me just take you to another level here, okay? God notices who's really worshiping, and God notices who's not. So you can fool everybody else in the room. You can be on the platform, and I thank God for the people on the platform here. But you can be on the platform. You can be leading a song. You can have the most angelic voice. You can be having the greatest skill on the instruments. You can be lifting up, and all of us will go, wow, look at Pastor Jason. Oh, he loves, he's so annoying. His worship is so great. But on the inside, his heart can be far from God. And none of us will know but the Lord recognizes it. And the Lord will say, hey, you played a great piano, Pastor Jason. And I'm using it because I love him and he's a good example. Hey, you played a great piano, Pastor Jason. I love that new keyboard. It looks great. But your heart, your heart's not in it. Your heart's not in it. And so here's the reality. The Bible tells us that the Lord is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're not telling you just lift up your hands because we tell you to lift up your hands. We're not telling you to shout just because it's shout. We're not telling you to worship just because it's the right song and we've manipulated your emotions in just the right way and now you're kind of getting caught up in the hype because, man, that's a great song. No, we want great worship, not great songs. Great songs are what we play. Great worship is what we give. Right? We're not playing worship. We're giving worship. And so we want to give God our worship. We don't want to play at it. This isn't a game. Didn't I heal 10? Listen, Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through 21. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature 
have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without an excuse. In other words, everybody sees the evidence of God. There is no excuse where you're like, well, I've never even heard of God, but you've seen the evidence of God. You recognize that there is a God, right? And the complexities of life and the realities, you know, I always laugh kind of at the idea that everything is, is chaos. I'm sorry, I just see too much intelligent design. I just see too many things. Like if we were like a quarter centimeter closer to the sun or further away, we would burn up or freeze. Like just the, the magnitude of everything and the intricacies of how it's laid out. A tornado coming through a town doesn't build a house, it destroys a house. That's chaos, yeah. right? But what God does is he plans and he puts together and, and just, I mean, your circulatory system alone is yeah. mind-boggling. <laughs> like, just the complexities of who we are and what, just the, the beauty of God is written all over the place. And so what does the Bible say? You don't have an excuse for not knowing God, but what happens? For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. When you refuse to give worship to God for who he is, your heart gets darkened, and all of a sudden, because we always worship, you start to worship things other than God the creator. You start to worship the created. That might be created things, right? Why does your hobby get more praise than your God? You know, why, why, why does... Why does your on-screen get more views than your Bible? Like, and again, I'm not, not going to punch you in the face all over the time because of all this, but I, I need you to understand, God notices. God notices that you're being ungrateful for what he's done in your life. And here's the reality. Here's what's even worse. When our hearts are darkened like that because of a lack of gratitude towards the Lord, part of it is because we start to believe our own hype, like I said a moment ago, and we start to think, well, it's us. We're the ones. We put this together. We are going to look at, look at our magnitude. Look at our intelligence. Look at our level. Look at what we are capable of. Look at what I did. Look at, look at how I earned that promotion. Well, you remember when you prayed for that job? You couldn't get a promotion without the job, could you? Look, 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 at, look at how much money I've accumulated. Look at how much stuff I've garnered. Look at, look at what I'm riding around. And look at my new shoes. Look at my new clothes. Look at my new... What do you have that God hasn't given you? Nothing, nothing. And so that's what happens when you're grateful. Again, I got to use this illustration because it makes the most sense. And I've worked with teenagers too long that it always made me laugh. Kids are walking around school with all this nice stuff like, yo, I'm rich, I'm rich. No, you're not. Your folks are rich. You broke. You don't have a job. You don't do anything. Your parents got money. You don't got money. Right? Like it just, how, why are you so gassed up about what you get? That ain't yours. That's your daddy's car. Like, I don't know how you all hyped up acting like you better than me. I used to get so mad about that. I'm like, you ain't nobody, bro. You ain't got nothing. And so, again, we, we get like that. We get puffed up. Like, oh, look, look at the size of my church. God built this church. I didn't do anything. My job is to not screw that up. My job is to make sure I don't get in God's way and what God's trying to do. I can't take credit for it because if I take credit for it, I better be ready to take blame for when it doesn't go well. We don't like taking the blame. Listen, if you're going to get the worship, you better get the criticism. In the same light, now I'm going to give God the worship and I'm going to let God deal with the criticism because ultimately my job is faithfulness and I want to be grateful for the faithfulness that God has shown me. Last thing is this. Gratitude opens doors to more. Gratitude opens doors to more. So 10 get healed 
And again, I don't want to get too hard on them. I don't know what they did. You know, maybe they were so excited about being able to go back with their families that they all ran back to their families and connected with them. Or it could have been any justifiable reason. But they missed out because of their lack of gratitude towards Jesus, or at least their expression of gratitude towards Jesus. All 10 received healing in their bodies, but only one received healing in his heart. Right? They go off and they were immediately cleansed. But when the one comes back, he says, get up, your faith has made you well. Or again, in some translations, your faith has saved you. Listen, the 10 lepers cried out for pity. In some translations, they have mercy. But what does Jesus do? When he heals them, he offers them more than pity and mercy. He offered them grace. Grace goes so far beyond mercy. Mercy is is letting up on you. God's grace is favor towards the unworthy. Church, we're not worthy of anything that God gives us. That's why we should be grateful for anything we have. Because nothing we've received, we've deserved. As a matter of fact, we better thank God that we don't get what we deserve. Because if all of us got what we deserved, you'd be getting a lot more than things you're grateful for. So I'm grateful that God doesn't give me what I deserve. I'm grateful that what God has given me is grace. Grace to mess up and still follow him. Grace to move forward in my life. Grace to not necessarily be perfect, but continue to strive for perfection. It is by the grace of God that I'm not just saved, but I am kept. And I can continue to move and walk in the life that God has given me. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us very simply, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Your faith was simply the vehicle for which you received grace. If I could say it in an illustration that I've always thought about, faith is a garden hose. It's the, the vehicle through which the water flows. Garden hose on the ground has nothing in it. It doesn't do anything. It's just rubber. But when it's attached to the source, water can flow through it and get to where it needs to go. That's faith. It's when we connect to God And we make that connection. But grace is God turning it on. Grace is God pouring it out. Grace is God letting his love, mercy, grace, everything combined flow into your life. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out, worship team. The grace of God, which gave us our salvation, is more than enough reason to forever be grateful. Listen to me, church, because this is the bottom line, and this is very important. Because maybe God hasn't answered that prayer that you've been praying over the 21 days. Maybe there are some prayers that you've prayed in your life where you didn't get the answer that you were looking for. Maybe you were praying for a loved one to get healed and the healing never came on this side of earth. Maybe you were praying for that job and you didn't get that job. There are plenty of reasons why I think some of us can try to justify not being grateful because God didn't do what we asked him to do. But the reality is this. For all of you in this room who consider yourselves believers, if Christ never did another thing for you in your life, he's already done more than enough in your salvation. You have more than enough reason to spend the rest of your life thanking God. Because listen, if you don't like gratitude, you're going to hate heaven. Because that's all we do in heaven. All we do in heaven is worship God. All we do in heaven, it has the greatest worship experience you've ever had in your life, 24-7, all of eternity. 
So if you got an issue with it here, you might as well stop because you're not going to like it there. Heaven isn't like you sitting on a lounge chair eating fruits while angels cut your toenails. Like, it's not like this lap of luxury where now you are just getting there bathed in all the things you've always wanted. Heaven is standing in the presence of God. And when you are in the presence of God, you can't help but worship God. Why do you think scriptures tell us every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord? Because when you stand there before his presence, whether you believe here or not, you will fall to your knees involuntarily and you will cry out, God, everyone will ultimately be a believer, but not everyone will receive salvation unless they do that on this earth. On this earth. So here's what I like to do. I'm talking to the church folk this morning. Let me ask you something, my friend. Can you think of a reason to be thankful to God? Actually, do me a favor. Close your eyes for a moment. Just think to yourself. Be very honest. Can you think of a reason to give God glory? Have you ever prayed for a physical healing and received it? You ever prayed for a need and saw God deliver? Prayed for that prodigal child to come home and they've come home. Pray for a miracle and watch God actually do it. I don't need to name your specific thing. You know what it is. What is your single greatest reason? Let, let me just take it beyond salvation because that's all of our reasons. But for you personally, what is the greatest reason you have to worship God? Your greatest joy, your greatest gratitude. Where if you started worshiping God and people came around and told you to shut up, you'd shout out even louder. Because you don't understand what God has done in my life. You don't get where I've gone. You don't see what I've seen. You haven't experienced what I've experienced. God has healed me. God has restored me. God has redeemed me. God has loved me. God has lifted me up. I know many of you have these experiences because I've prayed with many of you about them. So here's what we're going to do to wrap this up this morning. If you have something, if you have a reason to worship, I want you to begin to stand to your feet. If not, you keep thinking about it. If you have a reason to worship God, if you have a reason to love the Lord, and the worship team is going to lead us in a song, but we're going to lead each other in worship. Come on, if you got a reason to worship, I want you to lift up holy hands. If you got a reason to worship, I want you to begin to declare that reason. Would you begin to have gratitude to the Lord right now? Would you begin to thank him?